Welcome into the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. J.P. Shadrick with you on Friday, October 29th, and we have the best of the week around Jags Broadcasting and Jaguars.com coming off the bye week and headed into the Week 8 game against the Seattle Seahawks, including Pete Prisco and Tony Baselli talking about practice and head coach urban meyer discussing offensive line play remember to subscribe to the official jaguars podcast network on apple itunes spotify or wherever you download your pods leave us a comment and a five-star rating let's begin with urban meyer's monday press conference coming off the bye week meyer breaking down the self-scouting of the team headed into the final 11 game run to end the season uh, we did about as deep a dive as I can remember. Uh, our coaches stayed here after we let our players go, and uh, really interesting, the results. And then uh, then he coupled it with the first time we were there to, really in my lifetime, had a chance to take a Sunday and watch everything that goes on in this league. I learned a lot. But the self-scout was uh, priceless. Now we got to do something with it. There's some very tangible things that came to light that we need to uh, get fixed. What do you learn from watching all those games? Uh, just uh, how fragile every snap is, how fragile teams are. The the uh, you know the Bengals go out there and just uh, play so well, and, and uh, the Titans played so well, and you know it's just uh, the parity of the league. It's incredible. What do you sort of learn about your team? Well, the most important thing is the health. You know, I, first of all, we're knock on with a soft tissue injury. The sports performance model is working. Uh, we've had injuries, but those are the stru- those are the, the 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 hardest part of the whole job is the structural injuries, the lenders, the high ankle sprains, and so we got to keep our guys healthy, especially on this 11 game run we're getting to go on. And then uh, certain areas that you know I don't want to give up too much information. We're just not very good at right, that we struggled with, and, and a lot of it was self-inflicted errors that we got to get fixed. And how difficult it is in the NFL because of a smaller roster and um, how do you get those reps without having reps, if you make sense. You can only go, you know, we got some players are 30 years old and, you know, the heat down here, how do you get those practice reps so they don't make mistakes yet blow the players out? That's the biggest issues that we got to get fixed and be more efficient in practice. And I actually met with our leaders today about that, is that we got to, you know, I have a really great group of leaders on our team and how we just can't have mistakes in practice. I know that sounds simple, but you can't. you got to really lock in, especially the younger players. You knew knew coming in that these were going to be some challenges for you, the limited roster and all that other stuff, but is it different now that you're going through it? Well, it magnifies. Now now that I witness and experienced it, because I could say I knew it, I knew it from afar, and now I know it because I'm in it, and that's why I hired certain older, you know, uh, uh, NFL experienced player uh, coaches, and that's another reason why I signed a guy like Marvin Jones and some older players. You know, I felt good about our offense line because you had a couple of veterans in there that I would learn from. But just the how when you start saying how many reps in practice you get compared to the college life, and yet you still have these unforced errors that we're making. So I feel good about the second run we're going to go on here about just the efficiency and now we've been in the system for a while now we you know the excuse of a new system the excuse of a young quarterback that's all gone because our young quarterback's playing pretty good later monday jaguars happy hour pete briscoe tony baselli and i got into the practice reps conversation coming off the bye did you see what the the, the uh, giants did this week 
they changed their practices and went to fundamentals for the first, you know, maybe hour of practice, which means you actually had full pads and full practices, but you worked on your fundamentals because you thought the tackling and blocking was bad. I mean, we're we're in the middle of an NFL season. What are we doing? Well, now, listen, I'm not making fun of Urban because that is like today's NFL. Yeah. I mean, so. I That's agree. no comment. Urban's yeah. right. I'm just laughing inside, going, "Where was this concern for my yeah, well-being?" Yeah. 26 years ago, it didn't exist. Holy but cow! When you were when you guys came off a of bye, if, if maybe my memory's not great, but I remember that Wednesday practice off the bye was physical as hell. Well, the best thing coming off the bye is Tom gave us Monday off, so we had so we would have two. Wednesday practices. Tuesday and Wednesday. Right. Tuesday, full pads, just going at it. Wednesday, full pads, going at it. Those were two Wednesdays. And then we'd still have our Thursday practice, full pads, going at it. And then finally, we went just helmets on Friday. So, yeah, but the coming out of the bye week was more work. Right. Then less. And and that's and you know what? That's what I would do if I was a head coach. I'd, get the, I'd slap the relaxation out of you. Yeah, because that first pat, <laughs> that first practice back after being off three days was a little bit sketchy. Yeah, Pete would Pete would go right up to the edge of the CBA and maybe oh, tiptoe you know across it. it. You, you know, know it. it. Well, I gotta be honest, with you, I don't, I think I would too. I mean, you got to follow the rules, but I I mean, I agree with Urban a hundred percent there. I don't know how you get better without practicing. I've said that forever. I I don't understand training camp. I don't understand. I, I, the lack of reps, and that's why I was critical of Urban sharing time between Trevor and Gardner because you're already in today's NFL and today's training camp, you're already limited at those reps. Like if urban would have done that in the old, like the old system where you had two days and you had so many reps. Okay. No big deal. You give a guy an afternoon off yeah, for practice. Mean, but whatever, now right? with the limited yeah. time you have on the practice field, that's why I was always critical of urban. Like what do we do? Like every rep counts. And, and now he's experiencing it. You're in the regular season and you try to figure out how do you get better with the limited time you have on the field in full pads with your players. Jaguars Happy Hour Radio Monday airs at 4 o'clock on 1010XL AM in Jacksonville and Jaguars social media channels. On to the Urban Meyer Show Tuesday afternoon. The head coach, Jeff Lagerman, and I talked offensive line play and how the quarterback can help the group. And Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer heading into the Week 8 matchup at Lumen Field, Seattle against the Seahawks. Offensive line. We know a couple of those names that are on IR right now. Linder, Can. First off, what is there an updated timetable for those guys? And secondly, uh, the group that, that jumped in there two weeks ago now, how do they play in their place? Well, Barch went in the game, and uh, he's he's been very solid uh, to replace A.J. Can. A.J. Can, I believe, is out for the season, and Linder should be back. You know, I'm, it's all now. He had an MCL sprain and he had a high ankle sprain, and we're waiting on the high ankle. I just saw him in the training room just now, so I'm very hopeful to get him back pretty soon. But uh, at one point, when Barch went down, he had to go to concussion protocol. He had uh, we had three starters out in the offense line, and after studying the NFL and being in the NFL, usually that's a you're not going to win when you're down three offense linemen and. Uh, Will Richardson did a very good job going in there. Did not play great, uh, but played pretty good. He's been a he's been our I, I consider one of the most approved players on our team. Uh, he's a swing tackle and he's also a swing guard. Uh, Walker Little's making much improvement as well. So our offense line, like I told you, you know when you when you invest in a player like Trevor, keep him upright, which we're one of the top teams. Top, I, I should I think it's five or six in the NFL as far as hits on our quarterback. 
and then uh, uh, rushing yard per carry, you know, uh, were, were in the top five, top six in the league. Yeah, number two, I think, in the in the National Football League in yards per rush at 5.18. And, and your offensive line has done a good job. Tyler Shatley, I'm sure you're loving having him as a backup. He's one of those guys that you just love to have on your roster. And part of that protection that has happened for Trevor is also Trevor. Uh, he has, Urban, in my opinion, just this innate ability to have – to feel it in the pocket with actually look without actually looking at it, and that truly is a rare trade. It is, and it's also he's got the size where he doesn't panic on the you know that where and Jeff, you understand what I'm talking about where you, you, if you can't see, you know, I've had the smaller quarterbacks, and you know, I tell him he's amongst the trees, and you can't, you know, you have a six foot six foot one quarterback, six foot seven six foot six tackles, and you know it's science tells you you can't see and then what do they do they start to bail that's when you get holding penalties and that's when you get sacks he hangs in a pocket when he should and he also escapes a pocket when he has to so he's been that's one you know for a young player um, you know 22 year old quarterback that's uh, obviously something he's done very well one of the things I noticed from the London game from watching the film is that He's done a really good job of what we call off-schedule plays. He's getting out of the pocket. And a lot of times when it becomes off-schedule, the receivers are working to get open. And some of the throws that he had when these plays became off-schedule, the wide receivers are kind of sitting and waiting for the ball at times when they should be coming back towards the ball and keeping the window open for the quarterback. Is that something that has been talked about, about coming back attacking the ball? It has, and that's something we're working on. Yesterday we had practice, and we had three or four scripted scrambles. And that was where uh, the quarterback, you know, no one knows other than the quarterback, take the drop, and then, you know, they tell the guy, coach tells the quarterback before the play, scramble on this one. And you just work it and teach it off of film, and, you know, we should be better at that. The Urban Meyer Show airs Tuesdays at 5 o'clock on the Jaguars Radio Network. When we return, it's on to Seattle. A preview of the Seahawks with ESPN reporter Brady Henderson. NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks on the Seattle Connections on staff. Plus, cornerback Shaquille Griffin is going back to his old building. All that after this. Jags fans, fill your wallet with one debit card that screams Duval exclusively from TIAA Bank. The Jacksonville Jaguars Visa Debit Card comes with a fierce look and fantastic features so you can pay with pride wherever you go. And it's yours free when you open a Yield Pledge checking account. Up your financial game today. Visit a financial center near you or find us at TIAABank.com slash JagsCard. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSB, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome back to the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. And as always, thanks for checking out the Jaguars official podcast network. It's a free subscription on Apple iTunes or Spotify. Moving on to the Week 8 matchup, the 1-5 Jags face the 2-5 Seahawks. There are plenty of Jaguars connections to the Seahawks, of course. We'll hear from Shaq Griffin coming up in a bit. But on the coaching staff, offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel, passing game coordinator Brian Schottenheimer, and special teams coordinator Nick Sorensen all spent time there. On Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks Wednesday afternoon, Bucky, John Osier, and I got into the history of Seattle's success while producing assistant coaches. Two of the, the top offensive coaches are there. The special teams coordinator was there. I mean, that's just to name a few. And, you know, that's what happens when successful organizations breed successful coaches that are trying to move up the ranks. They get hired elsewhere. That's what, what has happened over the years out of Seattle. Yeah, that, that normally happens. And I think there's always a level of admiration from coaches to other great coaches and going all the way back to 
the college ranks when Urban Meyer was doing his deal at Utah and SC was the big kahuna when it came to how they dominated the game. Certainly, you would look to the West and see what Pete Carroll was doing, how he was doing it, the success that they were having, because it was kind of unprecedented the way that they were winning while it looked like they were having fun. And so Urban certainly, as a young coach at Utah, took that. And then when you have an opportunity to go to the next level, to the NFL, and you see the success that Pete Carroll has had in terms of the number of double-digit wins, uh, going to two Super Bowls, winning one, it does make sense that you want to take bits and pieces from that program because it's been successful not only in the college game, but it's been successful in the pro game. And if I'm Mervyn Meyer, who's making the same transition, I certainly want people to assist me in building my own program and making it NFL ready. Well, Seattle has had the respect around the NFL for a long, long time, too. Uh, guys who play well there have been able to go and finish their careers in other places. Coaches have done it. So, again, you know, Urban has said since way back when his admiration for Pete Carroll, he reiterated it today. Not surprising that he would go try to hire good people out of a program or, or a team that has put them all over the league. So, uh, you know, can the, you know, imitation beat the real thing this week? I don't consider the Jaguars really an imitation of the Seattle Seahawks, but that's certainly at play here with guys going back there this weekend. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks airs Wednesdays at 4.30 on Jaguars.com and Jags social media. Now to Thursday. Jags drive time each week on Thursday takes a closer look at the upcoming opponent. Brady Henderson covers the Seahawks for ESPN, and he joined Ashwin Sullivan, Brian Sexton, and John Osier to talk through the early issues and the quarterback position in the Pacific Northwest. We were just talking about how this is a different Seattle Seahawks team. We're so used for the Jaguars going over there and not doing so well and having to face Russell Wilson. So I think nationally the expectations were really high for the Seahawks, and they aren't living up to that. So can you take me through what has happened so far this season? Yeah, it's been a massive disappointment for them, and it was not going well even before they lost Russell Wilson to that broken finger uh, in Week 5. And their defense really started off slow for the second year in a row. Uh, they, they were 1-2. and two. Uh, They got back to 2-2 two and two with a, a nice win in San Francisco. And then they lost Wilson in week five against the Rams and Geno Smith for, you know, as uh, I think as well as he's played in spurts in the two games he started and then the quarter basically that he replaced Wilson for, uh, he just has not been able to get it done late. And it's really been a reminder, really the wrong kind of reminder for the Seahawks uh, of how good Wilson is late in games. He, that's his time. That's, that's when he's at his best and he's led the most fourth quarter or overtime comebacks uh, in his career than any quarterback in the NFL. And Smith uh, has just not been able to, to capture that same late game magic that, that uh, everybody is so accustomed to from Wilson. And so they're two and five, their season I think is hanging by a thread. Um, you know, there is some reason for optimism. One being the fact that, you know, the NFC is, is so muddled that they're really only uh, one win behind a bunch of teams that are, would currently be in that seventh playoff spot. But, They've got a lot of work to do, and uh, this is just not a familiar territory for a team that has made the playoffs in eight of nine seasons under Russell Wilson. Is there a feeling, you know, the Seahawks have some good skill guys, Lockett and Metcalf, obviously high-level guys. Is there a feeling at all among the team that they have a chance with Smith to get a few things figured out offensively, or is this just strictly waiting for uh, Russell Wilson to get back in, what, maybe, maybe for the Packers, maybe the week after? 
Yeah, that's the, that's the belief is that he, uh, well, it's, it's, I should say it's the assumption um, that he could be back for the Packers game. He'll be eligible to come off IR by then. And uh, according to the timetables that were reported, I think four to eight weeks, that would, that would be the early end of that uh, timetable. And, you know, the thought that is if anybody could make it back on the early end of the timetable, it's Wilson. Um, so I think everybody is really hoping that he can just because Geno Smith has been very up and down and, you know, he's, he's looked good in spurts. Remember he came in in the Rams game and led a 98 yard drive right off the bat and capped it with a touchdown pass to uh, DK Metcalf. And he rallied them back from 14 zero at halftime against Pittsburgh. Um, you know, it was a very much a buttoned up game plan uh, Monday night against the saints as it typically is with the backup quarterback. Uh, that was probably his worst performance, but he's played well enough in spurts to think that, you know, that that's, you know, that they could get a win there if everything matches up together with their defense and everything. But it's really just been the late game situations where he is, you know, he's faltered. There was an interception against the Rams, uh, which was not entirely his fault because the receiver fell down. There was that fumble uh, when TJ Watt strip sacked him um, in Pittsburgh. And then, you know, he took two bad sacks on that final drive uh, Monday night when they needed to go a long ways to, to tie or, or take the lead. Uh, when the final few minutes of, of the fourth quarter there. So um, I, the, he's shown that they can function. He, he's, he's an NFL quarterback, and he's probably one of the better, more talented backups. Uh, they just haven't had enough things to go right around him, and he hasn't done enough at the end to get it done. Jags drive time on Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday mornings at 10 o'clock on Jaguars.com and Jags social media. We wrap this week with Jaguars cornerback Shaquille Griffin. He was drafted by the Seahawks and played the last four years with Seattle before signing with the Jags this offseason. He joined me this week on the Crown Royal water break following Wednesday's practice to talk through going back to Lumen Field. They've got a chance to experience that firsthand, you know, going to get some in practice every single day. Uh, seeing him come in as a rookie, seeing the improvement that he made from rookie year until now, you know, it's amazing to see because, you know, being going against a guy like that, you know, i always seen that, you know, always spoke down to existence, you know, knowing that he's going to be a great guy. A uh, great player, but uh, like I said, I, I know a lot about him. Um, you know, this game is going to become down more to, you know, who's ready to compete throughout all four quarters. Um, you know, I don't think it's nothing that he doesn't know about me. Um, it's nothing I don't know about him. So, it's just going to be a fun competing game, and uh, it's going to be a cool experience to go against him. Get saying go against Lockett again. You know, know who he is, knowing the things that he has done for that organization consistently every single year. Uh, definitely feel like an underrated player. You know, uh, when you talk about Lockett, but like I said, amazing player. Like I said, there's, no, there's nothing that he doesn't know about me. There's nothing I doesn't know about him. So, uh, like I said, it's going to be a fun, amazing, interesting competing game. So, uh, I'm excited for it. You know, self-scouting the Jags defense in the bye week. What needs to be better for this group as a whole? Oh, man, continue to, uh, to fix all the communication, all the things that we continue to break down that we feel like we're not on the same page with. Um, I think that's the main thing. Um, I feel like we're getting better. You know, uh, with the calls, uh, the main thing is when you see things before it happen, and I'm trying to tell you a route or play, trust it. Trust us. Let's trust each other. You know, we're the ones that's been seeing it so many times, so long. You know, uh, that's that's put more of the hope on the players on the field instead of just some random call that the coach has given us. You know, so that trust, that trust factor is the part that we're continuing to improve on. And I feel like it's, it's going in the right direction, but, you know, we can do so much better. You know, um, there's so many things that might not be on game plan that you might see. And it's going to take the players on the field to fix and not the coaches. So the um, main thing is that trust factor and we can better with it. How about you personally? What are you trying to work on these days? Where can you improve your game down the stretch? Catching the damn ball. <laughs> 
I think that's the number one thing. Um, I feel like I've been doing uh, good in man coverage, uh, taking out receivers that they need me to take out, you know, holding until, you know, least amount of catches, least amount of yards. But now it's create turnovers, making an impact for the game that's going to change the game drastically. And um, so working on more, just catching the ball in practice, no matter whatever break I get, got somebody throwing the ball to me. Just got to keep seeing it, keep seeing it, speaking into existence until it happened. And, you know, man, I want it bad. So um, I'm going to continue to work on it until I start catching the ones I'm supposed to catch. And that's when I start making impact because everything else is going well, but I can do so much more. So working on it. The full conversation airs Sunday in the Publix Tailgate Show, a show that airs at 1 o'clock this week on 1010XL Radio in Jacksonville and Jag social channels, followed at 3 o'clock by Countdown to Kickoff on the Jaguars Radio Network. We'll hear from Pete Briscoe, the guys in the booth, Fred Taylor, and we'll have the final word before kickoff with head coach Urban Meyer. Then, of course, after the game, Jaguars postgame with Fred Taylor and the scoreboard show with your calls for Bucky Brooks. Kickoff for the Jags and Seahawks slated for 4.05 Eastern Time. Enjoy the game Sunday and thanks for listening. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next week on the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review Podcast presented by TIAA Bank.